0: Welcome to this week's episode of The CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined, as always, by co-host Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. We also have with us our colleague, vice president and principal analyst and research director and event host, Harley Manning.
1: Thank you. And although you did leave out uh, bon vivant, man about town. (laughs) (laughs) We ran out of ampersands. Sorry about
0: that, Harley. So, uh, Harley, we are excited to talk to you and tell our listeners about... Everything they can expect at our upcoming CXNYC event, which as the name implies is in New York. It's next month. It's about customer experience. And the theme of the event is Radical CX innovation. uh, How did we get there? Why is that our theme?
1: Yeah, so the way that we got there is that uh, CX index scores, which is how we measure the overall quality of customer experience, uh, CX index scores have been pretty much flat for the last three years, and uh, we'll be bringing out the uh, fourth year of data very soon. Don't want to give away any spoilers here, but the fact of the matter is it's not getting better on average. Some brands are getting better, that's for sure, especially the very poor and poor brands. They're sort of inching their way up into okay. That's good news, but the bad news is that we've also, seen the number of excellent brands dwindle down to nothing, and we've seen a few of the brands in the good category to drop into okay. So we did some thinking about that and some analysis. We've got data, and it looks pretty much like the reason that that is happening is because consumer expectations are rising, and people at brands who are trying to improve customer experience, they're not really innovating. What they're doing is a lot of fine and fix. Uh, yeah, once in a while, a little innovation, but on average, the sort of objective quality of customer experience is rising really slowly and customer expectations are also rising slowly, but just a little faster. And so you've got a race between two turtles and the consumer expectation turtle is a little faster. And so you're seeing everybody sort of shrink down in terms of their perceived customer experience. Only way to break out of this cycle is to do something big and different. In other words, innovation.
0: Yeah. And I like the turtle race metaphor there implies as well that even if the CX delivery turtle were running faster than the customer expectations turtle, it wouldn't exactly be lapping it or getting far ahead. And it needs to, to catch up with how far down customer experiences have been to date anyway. So that works. You're not going to be in a good position if you're losing the race and you're not going to get to where you need to be just by winning that race as much as one turtle can. Beat another in a race to now torture the metaphor.
2: Yeah, so how do you in CX start to lap the customer expectations? <laughs> Should we just keep it going? Yeah. Well, I will say then, if we're thinking about radical innovation, there are, of course, a lot of different ways you can attack that topic, right? Mm -hmm. So thinking about emerging technology, thinking about data, thinking about how do you understand these customer expectations. Also, I'd imagine some companies understand them, but aren't able to reach them because of organizational hurdles. Are there certain themes or topics that are going to be talked about at the forum to tackle one or many of those solutions to this problem?
1: Yeah. Uh, we're going to be very explicitly talking about some of those barriers, some of those headwinds that you talked about. And uh, in fact, that, that first thing you talked about, like organizational barriers, mm-hmm. is uh, the topic of one of the main stage segments that's going to be led by our principal analyst, Maxie Schmidt. And Maxi has been doing research into customer experience leaders who have been effective at getting changes and improvements through. So people who get the C-suite aligned and get the funding and move forward. And It's not just what they do. It's not just sort of the seven habits of highly effective CX leaders. It's also to a certain extent their personalities and who they are and what roles they are suited for. And so she's going to be taking the audience through some of that so that they can get a sense of do they fit one of these two actually archetypal profiles of effective CX leaders and then also talk to them about some of the things they're doing. And then we're going to have some people on stage with her who are going to talk about things that they have managed to get through, like, for instance, uh, Steve Doerr from John Hancock, working within John Hancock, big traditional company like the companies that many of your listeners, I'm sure, work at. But he's head of innovation and he's managed to incubate a couple of startups and roll them out. I think one of the most interesting ones is uh, something called Twine, which essentially is a platform to help couples make investment decisions together. Hmm. Because it's not just about, let's make a good decision about, do you want an index fund? Do you want a managed fund? Do you want equities? You know, It's also – how do we agree on objectives? How do we agree on timeframes? How do we agree on our joint level of risk tolerance? How do we agree on responsibilities? And so this is really sophisticated stuff. And it's not the kind of stuff that you expect out of a big traditional financial services institution. And yet Steve has managed to accomplish that. He's going to be there talking about how he did it.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that's a topic that I think is you know difficult for couples to talk about and therefore they do not surface the fact that they have mismatched you know, expectations or milestones or approaches to saving and investing. That's a great example of an innovation from a big traditional company. If we think about some of the other topics that Jenny highlighted, is there another area of content either on the main stage or one of the tracks that stands out to you as addressing and highlighting maybe that there's a way to do this, even if you're a big company, this radical CX innovation?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. We look at our CX index data. We look at the drivers and we look at the kinds of things that turn out to be very important to a customer's overall perception of the experience. And a lot of times they are not what companies think they are. For example, if you take a look at drivers around websites and mobile apps and such, those tend to not drive a lot of the customer experience. Certainly they don't drive a lot of customer loyalty. Put another way, it's a hygiene factor. Of course you have a website. You're supposed to have a website, aren't you? And you're supposed to have a mobile app. So oh, great, you have a mobile app. Fantastic. So much in the way that a consumer will not choose to do business with you just because you have a mobile app or a website, it's it's very much like you don't pick your favorite restaurant based on how clean the restrooms are. You know, So not having a mobile app, not having a website, that's a super problem. But having one, even if it's pretty easy to use, that's not driving a lot of loyalty. What's interesting is that what's driving a lot of loyalty is the experience of things that sometimes get dismissed. For instance, the lowly customer service call. People really, really, when they pick up that phone and talk to a human, they are upset. They are having some emotional stress and they want to get that stress relieved as fast as possible. They want that problem resolved. And so whether or not your customer service rep can fix that problem and fix it quickly and fix it definitively so it doesn't come back, that turns out to be a huge driver of overall customer experience. Same thing for a physical locations, a lot of times, like a bank branch. Banks tend to say, well, geez, you know, my branch these days, it's an albatross. I've got all these physical locations. Turns out that how welcoming that branch environment is very important to a bank customer for multi-channel banks. And yeah, maybe they don't want to be there. That's why it's important. It's like something drove them in there despite the (laughs) fact they'd rather be doing something else. And so when they walk in, probably don't come in very often. If they feel intimidated, if they feel unsure of themselves, if they don't know what to do next, if they don't know who to talk to, that's a real problem. If they feel welcomed, if they feel directed, if they feel cared for, if they feel confident, which is an important emotion, and especially in financial services, then they are going to like you and want to do business with you. And so we're looking at a lot of these human factors. We have an entire segment on what is the role of humans in a world where a lot of stuff is digitized, but the stuff that people have to, you know, your customers have to talk to a human, your humans better be on point because now they're dealing with the hard issues because the easy issues were dealt with by a website or mobile app.
2: Yeah. So I think some people, when they hear radical CX innovation, it means let's think about how we put robots into our stores to make everything better or thinking about these really huge fundamental changes in the business model. But some of what you just mentioned was the call center, right? So these often overlooked touch points. So part of this then is also getting companies to understand where to apply CX to create innovation. Is that right?
1: That's absolutely right. And so let's take the call center for a second because, yeah, it's kind of old school. And it's like, why is that radical innovation? It's radical innovation because you've got basically full employment. And you aren't necessarily going to be able to go out and hire someone who is thinking, actually, ah, go into physics or call center. You know, you're going to hire sort of the average people who are out there and you're not going to get a monopoly on the super skilled, super empathetic customer service reps. You just aren't. It's just not physically possible unless you want to of course pay them vastly more than anybody would ever pay a call center rep. So what do you do to take these people as God made them and turn them into more empathetic, more effective representatives who can provide the service for your customer that your customer now expects because they've been through all these digital hurdles and they still didn't solve their problem and now they need this expert. So there is technology for that. There are interesting systems that are out there that listen to the call, apply artificial intelligence and coach that operator in real time to have empathy to better understand what's going on with the customer, and to give good guidance. So that is a radical innovation. That's AI, but it's AI to improve a human who is then the actual touch point.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good framing of it and previewing some of what I'll be talking about at the forum is how so much of these new technologies, if we think about them in the right way, their best use cases, especially now, are to better equip and empower and enable your humans to deliver the right experience rather than standing in for your humans. Absolutely. lift your humans up so that they're great and the customers are thinking wow they had all the information they needed right at hand because AI gave it to them and they were focused on you rather than having to get distracted and you know thrash about looking for it in their many systems it was at their fingertips and and that's something that suddenly the rep is effective and the customer is happy and it's win win win
1: across the board so that's definitely something that we're looking at because that's what you want you want that effective employee who feels good about their job and feels competent and is also delivering a great experience and you want that customer to feel cared for taken care of like their needs are understood. That's a way to pull on a lever that will drive up your customer experience index score, your overall customer experience will drive loyalty. Now we're looking at other things too. There's something that we're looking at that is a little bit more maybe what you think of when you think of radical innovation. So there's a section that I think is going to be absolutely fascinating because the research that went into it is fascinating. And it's a section about values and specifically political, social, moral, ethical values as opposed to we prize honesty here at XYZ Corp. And so we're taking on board the fact that many more consumers these days care about the values of the companies that they do business with. They will do business with a company because it has values that they share. They will avoid a company that has values that they do not share and perhaps find repugnant in some ways. And there's just no way around this. There's, you know, it's the old uh, Muhammad Ali thing you can run, but you can't hide. If you have strong values, whether they're conservative Christian values or whether They're more like liberal, environmental, green values. People will figure that out. They will make their own judgments about you. So the question is, if you are any kind of organization that at its core – has these strong values, whether it's because you're owned by someone who has that and it permeates the company, or whether you're a company that is just sort of founded on that idea and everybody shares it. What do you do? How do you make a determination as to how much of those values to bring forward into the experience that your customers have with you? And we've seen some huge missteps with this. We've seen companies try to essentially signal to the world that they have these values when in fact they don't really. So that's a huge problem. We've also seen companies that have these values, have core values, and they put them out there, but they haven't done it particularly effectively. And we've seen companies that on the flip side execute really well and just do really interesting things that are telling people who share those values, hey, We're like you. We're bringing the things that you value to our experience. Come on in while simultaneously not telling other people, stay away. You're not wanted here. I really like the nuance of the last point you're making about values, which is we're speaking
0: clearly to people who these values resonate with. And we are sending some sort of signal that maybe it's not for you if our values don't align with yours, but we're not saying that explicitly. We're not excluding you. We're being upfront and clear so that you can opt out yourself because you know what we stand for and who we are. We talked to our colleague Jim Nail on a previous episode of The CX Cast. Uh, It was episode 172. What we talked to him about was how This is playing out in marketing efforts. And I think that's where this is really fascinating. Values thread through to marketing campaigns. You can compare Colin Kaepernick and Nike to Gillette and Toskic masculinity for good and bad application of values. And it threads through to CX and to employee experience. More and more we see employees looking at the values of a company and trying to decide are those my values? I'm not just here trading my time and my soul, frankly, for a paycheck. I'm here to not trade my soul. I'm holding on to that because I want a company who I'm proud to work for, proud of what they do in the world, proud of how they are in the world. And if I can't say that about the company I work for, then I'm going to go
1: find someone else. That's a great way to put it because when you have strong values and when you put them out there. You attract employees who really want to be part of that. And that's a very powerful thing to do. So we're going to have some speakers. It's not just going to be us talking about this, although Rick Parrish, our uh, principal analyst who's been covering this, doing this research, will be doing a speech and she's found so many interesting things. We're also going to have some of these brands that do this and do this really well to to talk about what they do and how they do it. Uh, For example, Patagonia. Everybody knows what Patagonia stands for. That's not accidental. Patagonia is one of those companies that Frankly, if they were faced with the choice of harming the environment or going out of business, I'm pretty sure they'd go out of business. They're all in and people who buy from them love that about them. We also have uh, Tom's, the people who do the shoes where you buy a pair of shoes and somebody else gets a pair of shoes who's poor. They're out there. They're up front with this is who we are. This is what we do. And the thing is, is that we're not saying you need to have one type of values or another. It's just if you have values, and it doesn't matter. We're not, we're not, we're not being judgmental right. here. It's do you put them out there? And if so, how do you do it effectively? Because you have some options. You do have options. There's more than one way to do this well. It's funny. One of the companies that Rick uncovered in his research is a chain of barbecue restaurants down in the South regional chain called Mission Barbecue and they're very into patriotism. They have a military theme, and a lot of times they have decommissioned military vehicles parked out in the parking lot. It's like you want to see a half track, you know. Every day at noon, everybody in the restaurant, employees, and customers stops what they're doing, and they stand up, and they sing the national anthem. Now, if that's something that appeals to you, you're going to want to be there at noon to be part of that action. And if it's not for you, It's not going to kill you to be there sometime and encounter that. And I hope nobody's ashamed to sing the national anthem. But, you know, you get to choose. They are really, really upfront and in your face about it. And they own it. And that's infinitely better than trying to conceal your values because you can't. You can't anymore. They will come out eventually. It may take a while, but it will come out.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point that values are not just in one direction. There can be different values that you would combine. There can be different reasons that you would have a larger purpose or mission as an organization, and you just should be true to those values, whatever they are. And I think that that makes it much easier than for you to make decisions in the world, you know, whether it does pertain to your customer experience, to your marketing, to your brand, to your employees, to all of those, because, you know, you have a lens through which you make those types of decisions, which are your values. And I, and I think that's a really good point that it applies equally for someone like Mission Barbecue and for someone like Patagonia.
1: It does. And there are many interesting companies out there that do a good job of owning their values and putting them out there. So we're going to be talking about all of those companies, those different types of companies. And it's really about, is this something that you might want to do? Because you know, getting back to our overall theme of innovation, in case you're wondering where we're going with this, this is a huge differentiator. I mean, people love Patagonia for a lot of reasons, but one of the big ones is because Patagonia is out there with, this is who we are. This is who we stand for. You have many choices if you want to buy outdoor gear.
0: That's right. Well, Harley, thank you for summarizing what we can expect at CXNYC and sharing a lot of the sort of deeper insights about why these are the topics we're focusing on and how that is relevant at this point in time for CX professionals who, many of them, are struggling with these sort of stagnant CX scores. So I think that was a really good distillation of that challenge that we see right now. Listeners, if you want to join us at CXNYC, it's on June 11th and 12th in the midtown of Manhattan in New York at the Big Hilton with the Convention Center attached to it. We'll hope to see you there. Otherwise, goodbye for now. Thanks to our colleagues Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and we'll will see. For editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.